0: check out heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: We are the Heavy Heavy. We are in sunny, sunny, not so sunny Brighton. And what do we try to do with our music world?
2: We're trying to bring back the sound of the best records ever.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us who each of you are. So I'm
1: Georgie, um, and I'm singer and instrumentalist, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm Will. I play guitar and I sing in the band, and I record all of the stuff. You know, the tambourine work does not get the appreciation it should, Georgie.
1: (laughs) I know. Thank you. Yeah,
3: it's difficult. That's That's why I keep
1: bloody saying to everyone.
3: You guys have pretty much uh, mastered this very specific sound that has not been heard in a while. You could say it's, you know, what, modern retro music or some version of that. But there's something that you guys are creating in this uh, Life and Life Only EP that, again, feels like we've been dropped into a specific time and place and it could exist in the middle of the field in Woodstock it, it could exist in the middle of the English countryside but it feels like somewhere we always want to be you know yeah. like it's an ideal utopian place that sort of reverbed out dreamy always feeling like the dream is about to crumble in yeah. a moment situation you know yeah that's yeah,
1: um that yeah i mean will always says it's just fuel for the imagination and yeah. that's kind of it isn't it your imagination what takes you somewhere dreamlike and you don't want to leave
2: yeah you know that my <laughs> reverb yeah it's fuel for the imagination yeah. what takes you on
3: Am I on something, or does that guitar just sound that good? Either way, you're tuned in to the show on the road. Thanks for being back with us. I'm your humble host, Zach Lupiton, and uh, this week we take a psychedelic trip across the pond to talk to Will and Georgie about their project, The Heavy Heavy, and their newest record, which I think is one of my most played and enjoyed records of 2022, Life and Life Only. Now, I often pose an idea on this very show that if we could build a time machine, where would we go? Which musical moment would we encounter in person? For me, maybe it would be joining my dad in Bruce Springsteen's van after a sweaty show in New Jersey in his younger years, or maybe we'd go to the Summer Jam at Watkins Glen at one time the biggest festival on earth or the Allman Brothers, the Grateful Dead, and the band joined forces together. But I can't go back in time. But what I can do is listen to what Will Turner has created here. A utopian, reverb-drenched, sun-soaked sound that I wish I could dive into right now. So if you want just a little bit of sweet sonic escape, I suggest you join me and the Heavy Heavy. Here we go. record all the stuff yourself yes
2: that's pretty cool and also cost effective <laughs> yes that is true
1: <laughs>
3: Although uh, the uh, vintage gear is uh, expensive so but we're getting there, we're getting there. <laughs> do you find that you have discovered that you have your own signature reverb plate or like that the heavy heavy uses this certain type of spring that yes, I mean, your sound now it's our sound now and uh I'm not going to tell anyone what it is.
0: <laughs> special
3: spice. Yeah, it's, it's a special sauce. I'll be waiting ba, 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 ba. I'll be now, both of you have come from, you know, some different backgrounds. I know, Georgie, you've uh, performed in theater and, and on TV and... and Um, Will, you're you're composing and doing all this stuff in the background, but how do you guys each bring your backgrounds into this project?
1: Well, I mean, I think it started with the demos that Will had, and um, he asked me to lay down some female harmonies, just some harmonies on it, and we suddenly realized that it opened out so many possibilities. Um, And if you look at a track like sleeping on grassy ground that big kind of astral middle section kind of inspired by great gig in the sky is where definitely where my kind of theatrical side comes in because it allows me to just improv and go blah and see what happens um I definitely say that our two different kind of approaches come into their own in different places wills definitely comes into its own in the studio obviously producing everything for me it's it's more so on stage
2: Mm. yeah it's like the two worlds and they they do combine on the records i mean I've, i've spent a long time perfecting the sound of those retro records that's my entire focus is 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 not as so much recreating it it's just getting on that level that kind of right. at- atmosphere that was created in those level those records whether it's motown or country records or all the classic rock you know that's like getting into that world uh and you know uh, and and working out how it was done not even from a specific point of view but just a general atmosphere and then putting georgie into that has caused a bit of a, an explosion of sound, really. And the, the possibilities are sort of endless, it seems. And quite exciting, because the, the whole the range of the different vocals we mm. can do is, uh, yeah, it's, as you said, it's two, two worlds combining, which is very exciting, you know, as, as a producer, to be able to have such a, a big palette and an exciting world to go into.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah, it's cool. Let's talk about that track, Sleeping on Grassy Ground, for a second. Um, because, Georgie, yeah, you really kind of unleash yourself uh <laughs> in that track sort of playing with the guitar like it's uh you know
1: conversation
3: yeah like like you're chasing it through a field like it's yes. a spirit yes. that you're trying to grab I a hold that. of um, <laughs> and uh it kind of reminded me of like if Florence and the Machine were recording in Laurel Canyon <laughs>
1: oh that's a good
3: analogy I like that
1: bloody lovely yeah. <laughs> also
3: when are you guys going to move to LA just you know just just make the leap you belong here this is ridiculous what are you doing yeah. over there
1: dude it's always been the goal right <laughs> yeah it has
3: been
2: on the cards for a while so uh, we're getting there
1: we're getting there yeah talking
3: There is this conversation between British bands and American bands, almost like talking to each other across the pond, yeah. mutual obsession, right? Where you had the Beatles talking about how much they were listening to pet sounds and the, and the beach yeah. boys and the beach boys were like, well, we were trying to do what you guys were doing, you know?
1: It's amazing, isn't it? And special no. relationship. Well, it's a very special relationship. And, but we kind of feel like, um, over here, the, the sounds that we love aren't really being pushed so much anymore they're not at the forefront whereas uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know we feel like america is still really in love with that sound and peddling it and we were saying to someone um, a couple of weeks ago we we feel like the british invasion went over and invaded And we've now got to somehow try and bring the British invasion home because we don't (laughs) have it here anymore. Like it just went and it stayed. And
3: yeah, (laughs) well, I've been trying to push on this podcast a hundred episodes strong that my favorite groups right now are creating something that maybe could be called the new classic rock. You know, there's like this thing that at least over here that still is so strong that Dominates the radio dominates sort of the culture of these set of songs that came out maybe like 64 to like 75, you know, like it's just timeless, socially conscious, ballsy awesomeness. And it exists in so many different genres. I mean, we say rock, but, you know, Mm -hmm. you had soul music and, and, and funk and folk music that became rock and roll. Um, and I know your album name life and life yeah. only, you know, is sort of definitely teasing out that Bob Dylan reference, um, mom oh, only yeah. bleeding. <laughs> um, one of my favorite songs. Um, yeah, but again, man. like you have these timeless groups that then got obliterated by synthesizers and disco and, um, money, <laughs> and then it just disappeared. Um, but people are now bringing that feeling back in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and i think there's a is a tough balance to to walk with a lot of groups like you because you don't want to be known only as yeah we're trying to recreate what the mamas and the papas did yeah but you guys are your own people making your own messages um and i think it's about maybe creating a feeling more than trying to ape uh, yeah, a certain I'm- sound you know uh Again, there's something about that Woodstock idea people getting together from all different walks of life and creating something beautiful. It feels like a phone call to another time, but also where we could be going in the future. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the the sound of
2: those records is just for me the, the, the actual sonic sound of them the the atmosphere the kind of feeling like joe cocker that will help from my friends like that kind of world and we, we're just trying to carry it on i think right. it, as you say it ended in like 73 you know the whole commercialism of it all took over and we, we are we're just trying to pick up where those guys left off uh and amalgamate the ingredients of all the this is what i talk about quite a few times you know there's I would say uh, there's common factors in a lot of those records. There's like an ingredients list of all of those amazing records, the best record you can, you can name sort of ever. And almost, there's almost there are comparable ingredients in all of those records. So it's like putting those ingredients into a pot and making more. That's that's how I see it. You know?
1: And it, and it really does it really does ride on as you say the feeling.
2: Yeah, it's, at, it's atmosphere. Because
1: it's, when you put those records on, it does something to you. Yeah, I don't a, know what it is. It's
3: got audio gold. Well, there's another sound that one of your tunes remind me of. um, Miles and Miles, which is a bit more of a driving kind of twangy road song. It feels like a lost Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers track for me almost, you know, like Mm -hmm. something about that highway winding sound, which again... You should just come out to California. But I'm just (laughs) saying. (laughs) But people assume that Tom Petty was like part of that classic rock era. And really, he was making most of his stuff in the 80s and and even early 90s, which were the big hits. But he again, he got it, whatever that feeling was. Yeah. Um, And stuff that he played. Even in like 93 or something with like Mary Jane's Last Dance, people are like, oh, yeah, that's like a song from the 60s or 70s. Like <laughs> that was literally made when like Nirvana was making grunge, you know? Amazing. It just feels like it could exist for all time. Uh, and, um, you know, miles and miles, you talk about sort of people out on the road hitchhiking. Are, is there hitchhiking still happening in England? Is that even <laughs> safe? I, yeah, not sure.
2: The only, the only time I did it, uh, I got in the car with a bloke and I got in, and he said, Oh, nice to meet you. I've got loads of pictures of dead people in the boot. And uh, it turned <laughs> out he worked for the police, and uh, that's what he did. But that was that was quite scary. <laughs> yeah, I, you I, I you know. wrote
1: that in, um, like in an afternoon, didn't you? I just popped out to the shops, came back, and he was like, Oh, I've got this whole track, everything's done. And and immediately, <laughs>
2: it's nice when that happens oh yeah that's what we want every time
1: yeah but immediately it just felt like and we were in our tiny little cramped flat in London and you just immediately transported to I mean I've never road tripped in the US and I've always wanted to but it 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 made me feel like I was even though I don't know what that's like you know and that's kind of how you wrote it didn't you mm,
2: yeah the imagination I was, the images of Vanishing Point or Bullet the film or easy rider just that's that's what it that's what it looks like in my brain as i was doing it
3: what's crazy is that like if i talk to my dad about you know, the 70s when he was in college, he basically would say, well, yeah, we just hitchhiked from Chicago back to New York. It was just like, that's how we got home. It's crazy. You just like got in some guy's truck and then he dropped you off in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere and uh, you figured it out. I I just, I
1: can't believe that. That it was that safe. That doesn't make any
3: sense to me. Or was it? Was it
1: or was it? I don't yeah. know. Did people just not kind of
3: then think about safety like... as
1: much? Like
3: <laughs> well, if you think about it, the reason why Uber Lyft, all these things exist now is that is modern sort of uh sanctioned hitchhiking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I like that. It's like, yeah,
3: I need a god, I need to get to the airport. Uh some dude in that Toyota Corolla is going to show up. I'll give them 30 bucks and yeah, I guess it. it's safe. I mean, people do get murdered in Ubers, but you know we've oh, made that a part of our sort of everyday life again. You oh, know? that's
1: true. It just doesn't feel like it does it because you do it all with your thumbs on your phone.
3: We were going home from our British tour uh, early August and we dropped off our van in East London somewhere and mm-hmm. could not get an Uber to pick us up. Like, every time we got one booked, it would cancel. Oh, and then we're like, awesome. okay, well, uh, what are we going to do? It's like an hour across town to the airport. <laughs> we allowed plenty of time, but, like, not that much time.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then yeah. there was, like, this really janky, like, car service in the lot across from where we were. And we went in there, like, can you get us to the airport? And they're like, I don't know. How much money do you have? And we're like, oh, my <laughs> God. <No. laughs> and then eventually... Really? Eventually, some Ubers came, and this guy drove me and and a couple of us. And he wasn't listening to his uh, GPS. I, I saw that he was taking various oh god completely opposite direction turns. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, okay, we got a couple hours, but like, where is he going? And he's like, oh no no, no I, you know, I know where I know how to do this. <laughs> and straight up he like went down some road and all of a sudden there's a big crash and we're sitting there for 20 minutes 30 minutes not moving oh. and the other guys are already at the airport because their <laughs> ubers listen to the <laughs> gps
1: oh my god did you get did you make your flight
3: and i'm like wait a second are we going to miss this flight you know because it's really hard to get non-stops from london to la it was already okay. really expensive uh and it started to get pretty dicey, but we, we made it with, you know, some time to spare, thankfully. It's, but, you know, that's uh, what happens when you hitchhike across London. You, know? <laughs> yeah.
1: you should never hitchhike across London. The why, the roads are too windy. It's not like in America where it's all cut up, like, in a clever way. We're all <laughs> like, oh, let's just turn this road into a triangle. What is up <laughs>
3: with you guys in the roundabouts? Like, just too many roundabouts. <laughs> Oh my god.
1: We fucking love a roundabout over yeah, here. Dude, Particularly a mini roundabout. Yeah. Oh, mini roundabout. <laughs> <Put them> anyway. <anywhere. laughs>
3: um, let's talk about Go Down River, which uh, you know, this album's not very old. It's already been listened to over a million times, which is cool. <laughs> um Do you feel like a song like that? Um are you guys listening to a lot of gospel music is that is there certain things that you're you're referencing uh that feel kind of um paying homage to a lot of black music is what i'm saying like like what were you listening to when you were recording go down river a lot of stuff i mean uh, we love the the stacked harmonies that yeah. that
2: is the sound in itself uh like melanie Mel- Mel- i don't know if you know melanie her, her song um lay, lay down, down. just a huge mm-hmm. gospel like over a sort of big big 60s beat um, a lot a- of
1: that sort of stuff for me comes from Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. um, I'm, to be honest most of it the way her and her backing singers sisters were stacking their harmonies and the kind of um, inflections that they were putting on those harmonies together right. uh, are just astounding
2: yeah, probably a bit of that, and sort of like of Stills, and Ash you know, Yeah, putting those two worlds together. You know, and and the Stones. You know, there's, a, there's a, yeah. always an underlying element of the Stones and everything we're doing. Yeah, so,
0: all of um,
1: the the gospel singing that they have on yeah, their stuff.
2: So that they're, they're, so that's a you know a good example of putting the gospel singing over a kind of English, British, London 60s sound. Yeah. You
1: know?
2: So yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know what we're listening to at that point. Probably.
1: The Dwayne Orman anthology.
2: Dwayne Orman stuff. L.A. Getaway. You know, mm. uh, that's all got gospel stuff on it. So yeah, mm. I think that's a and Delaney and Bonnie. You know, that's yeah. all, all that's sort of gospel rock, I'd call it. You know, yeah, gospel folk, folk country rock.
1: Yeah, and I think that was the first one that we uh, really was that the first one that I laid vocals down on, maybe, possibly, possibly. Well, it was certainly the first one that we kind of went to town on let on stacking those harmonies.
3: Um, I love it. There's like 30 layers of vocals on that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I think when background vocals become sort of next level, you know, it almost becomes the lead part. Yeah. yeah. Accidentally, you know, a lot of this stuff, like you said, Aretha Franklin, but even like the Raylettes, you know, Ray mm. Charles. And, um, you know, when you're singing along to those songs, you're actually singing with the background yeah. vocals. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: personally. And uh, not singing, because you you uh, can't
3: sing like Aretha Franklin most of the time, but you can sing like those folks. And it's so catchy, it's percussive, it's like, it's really the hook is the background vocals, not the lead. She's written almost riffing on them, like in that gospel style, you know.
1: And uh, I know when um, when we were starting to play these tracks live and we were just the two of us doing it acoustically, I was always drawn to the highest harmony line but it but obviously with just two voices it's like whoa you can't do that that sounds mental so i'd always have to bring it back to the sort of i don't know the second highest or kind of i guess what you'd call like the female lead but but as you say it was always the highest one that i'd i'd want to go to mm.
3: um yeah <laughs> But I think that theatrical um harmony layering thing is a very I don't want to say british rock and roll thing but you think about queen and um yeah. you know the you know wings it's like stuff that is um unfettered from any sort of uh good taste it's just like let's just do all the harmonies you yeah. know yeah, yeah fill yeah. the whole thing yeah 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 it's great like and, let's um, make it an opera and a rock and
0: roll.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our new single is coming out soon. It's called Bohemian Rhapsody.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna love it.
1: Uh, you're gonna, you're, you're, gonna really love it. Um, I was just thinking, also in terms of like contemporary inspiration, Fleet Foxes is a massive yeah. one for that mm-hmm. wall of sound and and harmony layering.
3: Which is kind of strange because they're emulating Crosby, Stills, Nash. Yeah, it's like just spinning what is your backgrounds you know from when you were kids like did you start playing music really young or is it something that you guys took up later
2: yeah I mean I started to guitar like really young eight or nine or something just like my parents were just plowing me with Jimi Hendrix and Credence and all of that music so I just grown into that world mm. I mean it's like I was it was never gonna never gonna be anything else just no. always, always guitar music
1: I was singing before I could talk and uh Played a bit of piano, had some guitar lessons, but mainly my, my the thing I was drawn to was singing and it just, yeah. I think I had my first singing lesson when I was about eight and then it just kind of just went off on my own and probably destroyed my parents' ears for about 15 years whilst living <laughs> with them. And uh, and now we're here. <laughs> but I listened to this. We grew up on the same music because um, we were both raised by rock and rock and roll lovers, weren't we? Mm, yeah. Uh, Led Zeppelin, the Stones, you know, all of the greats. So from like a very early age, that was built into our psyche. Yeah. Were you the same?
3: Yeah, I mean, my dad is a big um, music collector fan. He was yeah. at uh, Watkins Glen, which was actually the biggest music gathering Maybe ever for a long time, really? uh, it was like bigger than Woodstock. It was oh wow, the Almond Brothers, the Grateful Dead, the band, just like this ridiculous, you know, confluence. I always saw the ticket stub he had like in his office. <sighs> it was like five dollars. All the greatest bands you've ever heard of, you know,
1: that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, they
1: didn't know what they were living with, did they? Didn't know how well, good. Well, it. the thing is, like.
3: When I ask him, like, well, why didn't you go see like Janis Joplin or, you know, like Jimi Hendrix or some of these folks when they were alive or like Queen, you know, and he's like, well, because you kind of just assume they'd be around, you know, like they were just another awesome band in this list of great bands. And then all of a sudden tragedy happens, then they're, they're gone, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is that the people now, <clears throat> if they skyrocket to stardom, the accessibility is not really the same right now people are lucky in that if they discover you on this show or or now they could go see you at collectivo coffee in milwaukee <laughs> yeah, we've played exactly. several times they have very yeah. nice plants like overhanging the stage ah uh-huh. milwaukee very <laughs> underrated um <Okay. laughs> jump in lake michigan for me but <laughs> <clears throat> the hope obviously is that you could you know, becomes some worldwide sensation. But this time when people are just discovering you is a really special time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because I think people feel like they were in on the ground floor, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, the band first aid kit, mm-hmm. Yeah. Swedish sisters. I saw them in LA 12 years ago for 10 people at the Echo.
1: Wow. There's a, there's a There's a
3: YouTube video. I think it's still up of them playing Ghost Town, like one of my favorite songs. I was just like me in front of the stage, just like them <laughs> singing like at me, you know, because they were just like this new band. I, I found their first record at a <gasps> shop in Portland when I was, you know, up there. And then there they were, you know, and now they're playing like the Hollywood Bowl, you know.
1: Unbelievable.
3: Yeah. Wow. When you play these songs live, do you have to try to recreate that big wall of sound vocally? I mean, you can't really. Like, yeah. how do you do that live? We're we're
2: trying. Uh, yeah. we're, it's something we're we're experimenting with at the moment. Yeah, because obviously it's it's a bit of a nightmare on stage. To have that kind of sound. Uh, but yeah, we're getting there. We are certainly making strides. But it's, you know, we, we we live. We have four part harmonies, so four of the band sing, so it is a big sound anyway. Yeah, uh, but yeah, to get that real wall of sound is uh, we're getting there. I think there's a few things we need to do to make it work live.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are lucky though that, yeah, as you say, the the um, two of the other band members sing and recreate those harmonies with us, and it's nice because we all lock in, and um, so it's there. It's, right. it's not there as much as we want it we just to be. Want to yeah. give it some more beans. The beans
2: are coming. We're gonna make yeah. it bigger. It's cool. But you know, if you saw us now, it's it's still a massive
3: sound. But yeah. there's uh you know, I want it to go even further.
2: Yeah,
3: you know. Like, is there a vocal pedal or something that you could use that brings in that spring reverb special spice? Is that even a thing that you can do?
2: Uh it's funny you say that. I've been looking into that today, but the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> In real terms, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think it, it's funny because the sound is really the accumulation of many, many voices. So that's part of it. To try to recreate that is a is a is a thing. You know, like Phil Spector. You know, the way that Phil Spector would record. You know, just layer and layer and layer and layer on the same thing. That's part of why it sounds like that. So
3: yeah, it's good. Other than that, we just need ten more people in the band. Yeah. yeah. Do you record at all on tape, or is it recreated? via Pro Tools magic. Uh There's a bit of both
2: going on. That's what I'd say.
3: Because there's something about the um, way that the layering of those tape recordings like degraded, you know, like where it, it becomes almost distorted. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the mamas and the papas stuff, you could feel it almost like pressing against the <laughs> yeah. celluloid, like it can't hold... Mama Cass's voice in there somehow, you know. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: but that was that was actually the first thing that happened uh, when we first started working together on retro stuff. Will was in a, another band and he wanted he asked if I could try a vocal out as a backing vocal, mm-hmm. and there was something about the way my voice hit the mic or I don't know how would you describe yeah, it yeah it was
2: like really high level was hitting the, the tube on the microphone so it was like I don't know what it, I don't know what what it is technically but it, the fact it was a tube mic and that level it just made it s- sing and saturate in such a nice way that you don't get with other mics you know as to tube mics
1: so that kind of planted the seed of yeah. oh
2: yeah whoa it was like uh give me shelter uh, uh
0: Mary, Clayton. Mary
2: Clayton vibes uh instant as a and then picked it up two years later and here we are.
0: and not
1: take me.
3: If you could take your musical time machine back and go on a tour with any band in history, <laughs> Who would it
1: be? Uh, I think for me, it's got to be The Stones.
3: It's just got to be. (laughs) Which album? Which album, Stones?
1: Ooh,
3: Beggar's Banquet. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Exile, maybe.
1: Exile or Goat's Head Soup.
3: Yeah, Goat's Head Soup. Goat's
2: Head Soup doesn't get the recognition recognition it deserves.
1: I want to be there when they play Star Star live.
2: (laughs) Yeah, chaos. What about you? Oh, it's a big one. I, I really like the Joe Cocker one where he's got a huge band around him, the the, the Grease Band. I think that. Bad Dogs and Englishmen. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. That is such a fantastic record. Uh, just the power of it, I think. Mm. Uh, but also, um, yeah, all all those guys, you know, yeah. Grateful Dead, all of that would be amazing to watch and see and see them do it. Um, that, all and like, all of it, all of that, <laughs> you know, I, I I couldn't really choose any. Really.
3: Um, yeah. I could go on all night. You've got me lost there. Look, we've toured with my band, Dust Bowl Revival, probably 30 states. But, like, there's parts of this country that we've never gone to. We probably never will. You know, it's, like, uh, it's really difficult to figure out a way to route certain tours through, like, Arkansas. Sure,
1: yeah. like,
3: (laughs) you know, like, that area between like Ohio, Kentucky, Missouri, you know, it's like these big areas where you're just like, okay, there's no major cities. Yeah. A lot of the folks around here do not vote like me or uh, probably want to hear my music, but sometimes you got to go to these small towns because they're so excited that you're actually going to bring something crazy and new, you know, That's why going to, like, these small towns in England where we just went, like, uh, shore them by the sea. (laughs) And uh, we went to a town called Snape.
1: Snape? Snape? Oh, my God. Is that where Snape came from, do you think?
3: (laughs) And it's just like you're basically on a a wetland bog or something with this beautiful old concert hall that was made for uh, the mill workers there or something. And people were pumped, you know, they're like, okay, they're playing California funk and blues and okay.
1: They're ready for it. They want that flavor.
3: You know, I think what's hard is when you've been a band for over 10 years, like I have with my group is that you gain this crop of people who are super excited by what you're putting out six, seven years ago. And then eventually, you know, they move on and, Mm -hmm. and then they maybe rediscover you again, you know, Um, but you have to kind of like keep winning people over. And, um, in our case, like our sound changes whenever we feel like it type thing, you know, it's, it's like, we were more of a, of a sort of bluegrass and, and Western swing and, and, and speakeasy jazz kind of mashup. Mm. And then it was like more of a blues funk rock and roll with like a folk underpinning And now it's like, I don't even know what it is anymore. It's like, it's just, just music, you know, it's just, it's
1: It's just like, you know, it, it energizes you, I think is.
3: Well, you just got to write music that comes from your soul. It's like you've.
1: That's kind of all you can do, right?
3: Yeah. Get it out. When you have a new song, Will, like, what is the protocol? Are you writing it down in a notebook? Are you putting it in your voice memos? Like how, how is it sort of unfurling? I set
2: up the computer and uh, headphones on, twelve string guitar, loads of reverb, and just put it down. That's uh, that's all I do. I really just sit there. Whenever I get an hour, I'll just see how many songs I can write in an hour, and then uh, I go and work on them <laughs> for the next two or two, two, three months. Uh, yeah, it's a funny one. I, do, I just set up and it just, I just, I just. There's no real method to what I do. I just sit sit there and do it. It just sort of just appears. Uh, I've never been able to pinpoint the ways to make it easier or better. I just, I've been catching up with the songs I've written for the last sort of five years. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I, often I'll like the whole thing, you know, you sit in bed and you hear these songs coming to you, you think, fuck right, get out of bed and go and set up all the computer and start doing it all. I quite often do that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do that more and trying to actually, uh, uh, manufacture these situations where I can fall asleep right next to all my gear that's already on and ready set up so I can try and fall asleep, then write the song and then go and just record it straight away. Uh because that's how I do it. I literally just plug in and just
3: sing it and then start start putting it together. It would be cool if the song All My Dreams <laughs> was fully composed in your sleep and you just did it like without actually moving from your bed. You <laughs> like, right, it would be good. <laughs> yeah. And you woke up and it was already done. That's we've done. Yeah that's that'd be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, we'll mix and everything. Yeah, be great. <laughs>
1: Maybe that's the story we should start peddling yes, about how might, that one was written. We might tell people that
3: that's <laughs> how it is. Yeah. No, it's... it's funny when you when you sing that line, "Dreaming of a place where the sunlight never sleeps." I can feel that dark English fog.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Like you, you <laughs> yeah. like
3: peering towards California. Like God, it would be really nice to Just come on vacation right now. Well, yeah. that's it. I, I
2: would say a lot A lot of it is it's from the viewpoint of looking to California, mm. you know. The whole sleeping on grassy ground, you know, uh, that is primarily about, um, you know, dreams. Uh, you know, I'm tired of my dreams, you know, it's kind of this, uh, this whole lifestyle and this whole utopian L.A. lifestyle, which I perceive, which I've never ever actually been to, to actually witness. Uh, and that's the whole thing, is, is I'm tired of my dreams. I'm tired of actually thinking about it. I want to go and do it. So that, it's funny how it's all actually working uh, through song uh, because it's all coming it's coming full circle. Yeah, but so a lot of that EP is is, is written about dreaming of California uh, as much as, you know, much as anything else, I think. Yeah, and some of the new, even some of the new songs, uh, that, that is actually one of the lyrics one of the new songs. Yeah. Dreaming of California, and uh, yeah, it's cool.
1: I think it's... Um...
2: I've heard it's very
3: hot, though, so I'm... I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I would avoid right now. We're in yeah, a so, historic um, heat wave where uh, it's been, like, 105 here for, like, four straight days.
1: All that. So what's that? Because um, 82 is 28, roughly.
3: So yeah, it's what like
1: the high 30s for us? Would that be high 30s?
3: It's too hot, is what it
0: is. <laughs> yeah, it's way, way
2: too hot. I like um, to be, like, to Canada or something and then go down to LA and just like kind of...
3: No, it'll it'll pass soon. But the the basically, are they're saying like you have to like try to turn off a lot of your electronics between four and nine, or they're gonna have blackouts. Like people are using oh. so much power because oh, wow. it's so hot. Um, oh. so
1: and, um, I guess like everyone's turning their aircon full blast when it what? gets like that, so it just makes this yeah. terrible circle cycle. I'm a little well. a-
3: scared. <laughs> We're lucky in that we live, you know, about 20 blocks from the beach. And it's, you know, Great. honestly, 20 degrees cooler here than Hollywood or, or the east side downtown. Um, but we had like rehearsal in like downtown L.A. a couple of days ago. And this rehearsal space had air conditioning blasting full tilt. And it was we were covered in sweat like it, it just uh, didn't matter. Like the sun was just beating uh, down on this roof. And the air conditioning couldn't keep up. It was like 106 degrees, you know. I'm not sure. That's crazy. Maybe I have to reconsider all this. California (laughs) (laughs) dreaming. No, but like the beach is so beautiful. Like it's just, you know, the thing that blows my mind is that a lot of folks I know, you know, can't afford to live closer to the beach. So they just don't ever come down to the beach, which is the greatest part about living here, right? You have this, massive free gorgeous ocean right here. And people are like, Yeah, I go to the beach maybe once or twice a year. You know, you're like that's
1: crazy, isn't it?
3: It's uh, right there. Just literally park your car right. and jump in the water. It feels amazing. Yeah. You know, there was dolphins jumping over the waves by us a couple of days ago. I mean it's just like paradise. And they're like, well, I can't I can't drive 45 minutes down there. It's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like okay, well, you know, sweat your butt off in silver lake that
1: sounds amazing i didn't realize that you had stuff like dolphins as well oh my god
3: it's like they were literally playing in the waves like right like 10 feet away from us it was crazy as the sun was setting um oh, well i'm sold i'll just have to just yeah
2: have to deal with it here, are, are you think.
3: playing are you playing a show in la or not we are doing the tubidal. Oh, when is that I um Actually, I've, I've... you'll have to check. So I've just I had this <laughs> in my head a second
1: ago. Yeah, we're playing the troubadour.
3: That is the uh, spot. Yeah. That's the spot. Have you played there? That is sort of like our our home base. Yeah, we oh, uh cool. we recorded our live record there. Oh um, right. Oh, with Valley yeah. Queen. I know they're good friends of ours. Oh cool. Cool man.
1: Yeah, we're excited. Natalie's great. We love their stuff. That's a sort
3: of fairly
2: major pilgrimage for us to do that gig. I think, uh, you know.
1: That's probably the most religious moment for us on the tour.
3: Yeah, right next to Laurel Canyon as well. So Mm. I can uh, escort you to the beach if you really need to, you know.
1: Oh, sweetie. (laughs) I'd love to see those dolphins.
3: (laughs) It's funny. There was a band from Nashville that I knew that was playing in town, and they were like, can you help us go to the beach? I was like, (laughs) follow my car. (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really want to do that a lot.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've got to be in San Francisco the day
3: after. So,
1: surely a quick dip. Yeah, the good we'll thing go. is
3: that the troubadour is actually almost west side. It's about as west as many of the good venues go.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it's basically Beverly Hills, is where the troubadour is. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, you know, 20 minute jaunt straight down. Santa Monica Boulevard, the end of Route 66.
0: Oh, fantastic. Fantastic.
3: shivers. Yeah I, love it. yeah,
1: I think we've got to make a quick jaunt for a dip in the sea, haven't right. we?
3: I'll give you my email.
1: <laughs> nice. I'm just oh. going
3: to change my profession to Beach Ambassador. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man,
2: that's yes. cool. That'd be good
3: on a T-shirt, that Beach Ambassador. Here's like. the $1 parking on Ocean Park.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, here's the good... Japanese rice ball joint by the beach. Here's the Caribbean place. And then we're just going to jump in.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. I think you do really well.
3: All right. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your dream for this band, like five years from now? We are going to play big stages.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, is it not the same as every other band's dream?
2: Yeah, I guess. I think uh, making some pretty iconic recordings is is sort of obviously where i'm where i'm at i'd like to make stuff that's iconic and timeless i want to make some recordings that are really the next level that stand up with the greatest records of all time that's you know been my goal since about 15 so i think in five years we have some access to studios and time and some players we can really really make some amazing special music
1: i think then being at the point of uh having the success to be able to emulate what is on the record fully mm. live with the, you know, if we had a saxophonist yeah, on the record, have, have them with us, you know, um, yeah, big
2: we, choir. Yeah. We, we would need about five guitarists even to do the EP properly. So, you know, yeah, it's, yeah to have the, the full big live show and play all around the world and Glastonbury and all, all of the, all the, all the, all the things,
1: all the biggies.
3: Yeah. What has been your biggest sort of rock star moment so far in this young life of this band? Has there been a moment where you're like, we're really doing it? Oh
1: I think um for me it was it was well, two maybe. Um CBS was amazing because we had just come from doing France, a France Inter um live show. Uh and we got the phone call from our manager saying, you're coming to new york on friday and that's a we were like oh my god how amazing we've just come from paris and now we're going to new york um and being in that studio and then um at the weekend we played end of the road festival and we opened the main stage and i think that was a really amazing moment because it's huge and you know people are coming down they may not necessarily even know who we are but they want to go see who's on the main stage. And uh it really packed out and everyone was dancing. It's like, yeah, this is happening. And then the Pixies closed that night. And I thought, that's so cool. We opened and Pixies closed.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now you just say we opened for the Pixies on your yeah, <laughs> press release. You know, we that's what we did. We opened for the Pixies. Yeah, really. <laughs> what about yeah, that, you? Yeah, that was. I mean, honestly, being able to play um the Cambridge Folk Fest main stage at like, you know, seven o'clock at night. I mean, it was like, that's a great, it was a great slot. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think with bands that tour around in the festival circuit, like we do, um, especially in America, I think you can honestly get held back a lot because people like you, but you're not like famous or like, have a hit or blah 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 yet yeah Yeah. and so you're like yeah you played like the three o'clock slot or the side stage slot which sometimes can be even more fun because it's more packed and rowdy but in europe every now and again i feel like we've gotten more of a chance to be given the main stage prime time slot Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an amazing festival which you guys should play uh, one day called Tuna Fest in Denmark. Okay. Uh, it looks like Tonder Fest, but apparently it's pronounced Tuna. <laughs> That's really um,
1: good. I really like that the way you did that.
3: And we did it a couple of times, and they're like, "Okay, you're on, you know, main stage in front of nine thousand people at nine o'clock at night." Yeah. Oh. Um, Canadian festivals do that too, where they're a little more democratic about who gets. To really play in front of the most people because they'll be like okay you random folk funk band from california followed by inuit throat singers followed by wilco you know wow it's yeah. like very uh diverse <laughs> and, um you know i think you guys would fit in in a lot of uh these great festivals we have here um yeah. and i think and i think what's what's tough right now is that because there's so many great outdoor things with people still being a little skittish about going into clubs for the COVID stuff, Mm. especially in the summer months right now, it's really hard to sell tickets at clubs, you know, like, um, I know a lot of bands bigger than us that are just, they just canceled certain runs of their shows. It's like, we, it's not, it's not Not happening. Like people are just not used to either going back into the clubs for a one off on a Tuesday night, uh, the mm-hmm. Troubadour, I think, is a special place because people want to go there anyway. Yeah, but like, you know, it's it's not the most fun feeling when your manager or booking agent's like, "So, uh, how do we get anyone to show up at some of these midweek shows in Ohio?" <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, I don't know." I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But at some point, you're just like, you know what, the 20 people that'll come or the 200 people that'll come, they're going to have a little magical night for themselves. Yeah, yeah, the same,
1: it. right? You go out, you do the same show.
3: Yeah. Did you guys work some terrible day jobs that you are glad that you're not doing anymore? Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, well, I have um, I was living in London from graduating from drama school, so I did every terrible job you can imagine under the sun. Nannying, flyering, waitressing, invigilating. I mean, just everything awful. Invigilating? Vigilating, yes. What is that? <laughs> very, very serious. Uh, I would make sure people were not cheating on their test papers. Thank you very much at school. Wow,
3: that's a word I haven't heard
1: invigilating yes 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 the clever people use it um (laughs) yeah so that's gonna be great yeah i mean well i don't do that stuff anymore our lives changed kind of drastically during the pandemic we left london and came back to brighton and um but you (laughs) you do you've done av tech stuff haven't you
2: yeah and very you know People were paying me to put bloody wires underneath the floors in courtrooms, which is hilarious because I have absolutely no idea what any of that. <laughs> I don't how to do any of it, but I just had to do it. So oh, I put 64 Cat 6 cables underneath the floor. Okay. But Google, what's Cat 6 cable? <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, yeah, I I've worked, I've worked some horrible things. I, I used to work in a wholesale plant nursery. So they'd be selling flowers for supermarkets, but there'd be like 2 million of the same. Wow. And I just pick them up and put them onto trailers <laughs> for about nine hours every
3: day uh and that was Joy. shocking but character building. so you know it's all good well i'm really uh glad that folks are going to be able to hear your stuff here in the states soon um i definitely am going to try to go to that troubadour show
1: yeah dude. Um, yeah, man,
3: great and uh you know we'll all jump in the pacific ocean together it'll be great
1: i can't wait it'll to swim wonderful. with the dolphins what a vision. it's going to be amazing you better be dolphins or i'm going to give you a bad review
3: i Each don't really time. control the dolphins but uh
1: well sorry yeah. but that's the way man. you've sold it so
3: you know I'll i think if you back. come near sunset which will be you know maybe after your sound check could be good timing yeah, <laughs> yeah man
1: <laughs> beautiful <laughs>
3: cool. nice. we can't wait all right guys we'll keep up the good work
1: thank you so thank much you, man.
3: great to all talk to you man thanks for yeah,
1: having us
3: go. Big thanks to Will and Georgie of The Heavy Heavy for getting on the line with me from Brighton in the UK. Uh, Their website is theheavyheavy.com and they're going to be playing coming up in London in the Netherlands and uh, yes, right here in Los Angeles March 21st at the Lodge Room. Definitely going to have to make it out for that. And uh, a band in LA that reminds me of these guys a bit is uh, the Eagle Rock Gospel Singers. People who have really obsessed over creating a sound that is both Timeless and harkens back to this special age of roots music, funk music, folk music coming together. And um, they're going to be playing with my band Dust Bowl Revival at Pappy and Harriet's in Pioneertown, Joshua Tree, December 16th. Please don't miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then on the Sunday, December 18th, Dust Bowl Revival will be finishing off the year At home here in L.A. at the Venice West playing some holiday songs, some brand new songs, and uh, some favorites. We're going to be really looking forward to seeing you there with the amazing Ray Zaragoza. If you want to hear bands like The Heavy Heavy, you might enjoy my new radio show on the SoCal Sound 88.5 FM here in L.A. Uh, Saturday mornings, our new time at 7 a.m., I've definitely spun The Heavy Heavy on there. And uh, we did an all-lady show last week. And this show coming up on Saturday is going to be all bands from around the world. No American bands. Sorry. I was amazed at the response Uh, a post I put up on Dust Bowl Revival's Facebook got um, just saying how it's been a bit of a struggle this last year or so for independent bands, or as I like to say, unfamous bands, to just sell tickets at local club shows, uh, theaters, concert series that aren't um, big festivals. It's really tricky to convince people to go see live music on a nightly basis on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. But I'll tell you right now, if you don't support cool touring bands that are coming to your community. If you don't go to those shows, a, they probably won't come back and b, they may not be able to survive as a band much longer. Live music shows, merch, it's how we get on making a living as music creators, songwriters, band leaders, etc. And uh this show is my way to uh really share the experience of what is going on behind the scenes with some of your uh, favorite unknown songwriters and bands. If you like what you hear on the show, do me a favor, share it with a friend, and uh, leave us a kind review on the iTunes page. It really helps people find us. And uh, as always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, and we are a part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay safe, and we'll see you on the trail with more episodes coming up.